When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for a match preview. Newcastle head down to the Emirates to face Arsenal on Saturday afternoon, an early kickoff of 12.30 live on BT Sport. I'm joined by John Gibson, as usual, to look ahead to that game. We are recording this on the Wednesday evening as opposed to the Thursday, John, that we usually do, and it's because it is the funeral of Malcolm Dix. We didn't get to pay tribute to him in the last episode because I think it was still a little bit Mm. raw. I know you're going to be at the service tomorrow, and he was more than just someone you knew through football. He was a, a close personal friend. Very close personal friend. Uh, uh, the family of Astafel speak at the funeral. I'm privileged to do that, and Sir John Hall is, as part of the Magpie Group. I mean, I've known Malcolm for 50-odd years since he was a young whippersnapper taking on challenging the board of Newcastle United almost single-handedly long before Sir John Hall come a, come around and um, involved with him with Sport Newcastle, with uh, Tyne Theatre, with Beamish uh, Museum. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful lad. Him and Glenn McCrory organised my 70th surprise birthday party for me on my 70th in town and a lot of celebs were there. And uh, I went to Cuba with him and Glenn Lovely, lovely man, Newcastle fanatic. The proudest day of his life is when he got a, a vice presidency of the club, was bestowed on him by John Hall. And he was that until um, until he sadly passed away. And um, I've got nothing but warm, warm thoughts of him. And um, it's very appropriate that the initial service before a private family service, the initial service is within St. James's Park itself, uh, and that is totally appropriate for Malcolm because uh, that was outside of his family, that was the love of his life. Mm. And for those younger listeners who aren't quite sure who Malcolm was and what he did for Newcastle United, just have a quick Google, look on chroniclelive.co.uk. Uh, Gibbo paid an excellent tribute to him uh, on the announcement of his death and you'll find out loads about him because to many he is Mr Newcastle, played a huge role, as John said, in the Magpie Group and the takeover uh, when Sir John Hall got control of the club. So if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, do spare a thought for Malcolm's friends and family as they lay him to rest. John, we'll get on to the game now. Yeah. Arsenal. Now, they did lose 4-0 to Liverpool, but they, they have been on an excellent run of form up until oh. that point. Yeah. How did Newcastle's chances fare in this one? <laughs> That's a great question, isn't it? Uh, I mean, if you look at Newcastle... 12 games played, no wins, 27 goals conceded, bottom of the league. And this is the 13th match of the season. Does it suggest it'll be unlucky 13? I think it probably does, actually. Um, Because I was hugely entertained by the Brentford game, but hugely disappointed because I thought we needed, we said we needed at least seven points from the three home games, but we really needed nine. That's Brentford followed next week by Norwich and Burnley. And I think the fact that we didn't get three points 
against uh, Brentford, which we were all expecting before the game, is a huge crushing blow. Um, and the Achilles heel is plain for everyone to see. In the last three home games, we've conceded three goals in each of the games. 3-2 Spurs, 3-0 uh, Chelsea and 3-3 Brentford. Now, conceding three, you score three goals in a game against Brentford and it only gets you a point and this is a club that had lost its last four before they played us alarm bells are so loud that they're, they're ringing and vibrating in your ears and uh, it's a shame because there was a lot of good stuff against Brentford going forward was a breath of fresh air it was something like the old days but we cannot whether we take the the Brucey way of, of having five at the back that never move from the back and just drape them along our own penalty area and try to defend, or we do the Eddie Howe way, which on Saturday, we can't defend. We cannot defend. And if we defend at Arsenal, then the way we defended against Brentford, we're slaughtered, mind. We've got to do better than that at the back. And we're talking at the back there, and I'm banging the drum. I mean, everyone listening to this podcast will be sick of me pointing out the obvious. And you've mentioned there, the defence is a massive, massive issue. And the Brentford game, we were both then just looking at the defence. I mean, just reaffirmed that it is a massive issue, but I'm, I'm unsure to what Eddie Howe can really do oh. with the options he's got. I suppose one thing he could do is probably bring Martin Dubravka back He's number one, hasn't yeah. he? He's got to start on Saturday. Yeah, he, oh, without a shadow of doubt. I wanted him to start against Brentford. But, I mean, Carl Dollar's shot. Uh, um, and without wanting to finger one particular person, facts are facts. And if we were only led once in the game, right at the start, 1-0, if we had held that for half an hour... Um, they would have died because they'd lost the previous four. They would think, here we'll go again, they would die. But within less than two minutes, they were level. And honestly, um, it was such a dreadful goal for a goalkeeper. For a start, um, the, cent the centre-forward, Tony, was too far wide. He only had one place he could shoot from where he picked up the ball, and that was around the legs of Dolo. So Dolo knew where the shot was coming and still wasn't unable to keep it out. When that gave them a lifeline, and we never defensively recovered from that. Without a shadow of doubt, um, uh, Eddie Howe can improve the side by putting Dubrovka back in. But what he does with the back then is anybody's choice. Because if you take the three centre-halves, you could play the other two that weren't in there. And to me, it wouldn't have, I said this before the Brentford game, it wouldn't make much difference. There's none of the centre-backs good enough collectively. I mean, you, you, you looked at what happened with us. I mean, Lascelles was magnificent on the goal he scored to start. He jumped head and shoulders literally above anybody else on the corner to head that ball in. He, defensively, he never jumped well, like that all he afternoon. Was at, he was at fault as well, as well as, well as Darlow for the first goal because he came out and missed it. And he was very fortunate, I thought, that Darlow made the, the mistake. And it, everyone's kind of forgotten about that. But, yeah. I mean, look, we know he has lapses in concentration. And I guess, you know, you saw Fabian Cher come in. I wasn't overly impressed with what he did. I thought Ivan Tony got the better of him in the mind games. In the second half, it was all about Cher trying to, you know, yeah. uh, match Tony, you know, psychologically. And I thought Tony did get the better of him. Clark, you know, is Clark. He's, he's dependable up to a point. 
But then is Fernandez the answer, John? I mean, I was speaking to Mark yep. Douglas yesterday, and he wants them. He would like to see him start. Is he the answer? I mean, they can't. You can't do much worse, I guess. I was going to say he's not the answer. The answer doesn't lie within St. James's Park. I mean, if if Dummett was fit and you put Kraft there and you put Hayden there, there's a choice of about six people to play at the back. And none of them are good enough. They're all much of a muchness. I mean, for me, Clark and Cher are walking mistakes. They've got a massive mistake in them. And that mistake always comes out during a game and usually results in a goal. Uh, I mean, we are... What shocked... What has shocked me is that we haven't done anything about... All our central defenders have been at the club for a long time. Uh, in Lascelles' case, going way, way back. In Dummett's case, he was in the academy. And um, But you look, and you look at them all, and they've been there a long time. They've had their contracts renewed. Why? Because it's cheaper than going out and buying one. That's why. But they didn't deserve their contracts renewed. We effectively could do with three centre-halves in the in January. We're not going to get them, of course, but we could do with them. In terms of personnel on Saturday, then you mentioned Hayden. He was on, on the bench against uh, Brentford. Would you maybe bring him in, play him centre-back, or would you keep the three that? that started? Hayden. Pff, I don't think it matters an awful lot. I mean, you might want to bring Hayden in to midfield to sort of sit somebody there defensively in front of uh, the, the defenders. Because there's there's a need to stiffen up. They will destroy us if we defend the way we did. Um, and Dubrovka, what a hot comeback he's going to have if he comes into this game. There's absolutely no question about that. Um, I, to, to be truthful, I've got no faith in anybody that's going to play in the three centre-half holes because they they aren't good enough individually or collectively. What about on the flanks? I mean, kind of the wing-back role. I would imagine Newcastle might play a bit more defensively than they did yeah. against Brentford. But then, do you bring in Manquillo? Do you bring in Kraft on the right? And do you bring in Lewis on the left? Someone to offer that bit more of a defensive ability yeah. than the likes of Murphy and Richie, who are you know great going forward. But again, we saw against Brentford just how open they are at the back. Richie yeah. failed to stop the cross. I, I mean, Murphy failed to stop the defender or the, the, the midfielder who headed it home or tapped it home. They're not very good defensively, so what no, do you do against a team like Arsenal? They're not as good as not very good. They're, they're horrendous defensively. To give you something going forward, they played higher up the pitch against Brentford, A, because we're at home, B, because it's Brentford, and C, because we had a win. And they played higher, they played 10 yards, 15 yards, the, the two wing-backs, up the field. Uh, so it was more of a 3-4-3 three, three than a back five. But you can't... <laughs> defensively... Richie will be all over the place if he plays at, at Arsenal. And Murphy, I mean, these are wingers that have spent all their career until now trying to hit the opposing dead ball line and get the ball across. They're now running towards their own dead ball line more often than not, trying to say, where's the winger? I've lost him. Where is he at the moment? Um, Newcastle are going to pay... You would, look, you would think Manquillo and Lewis would be a better bet for a place like Arsenal. Once you head home to Norwich and you head home to um, to Burnley, it might be a different kettle of fish because you've got to win those ones. But you've got to watch that we're not absolutely get our backside taken out at, at Arsenal. Um, what about, I mean, Miggy didn't even get in, get onto the pitch against Brentford. He was stripped and ready to come on, but then he was told to sit back down. Yeah. 
Is he a kind of person you might bring into the starting eleven because of the work rate and he gets up and down the pitch? And when you are against Arsenal, you're going to yep. need that that work rate in the, in the kind of in the middle of the park. I know he's not kind of where he plays, but you're going to need someone like him. Yeah, his work rate's terrific. But I I think when once you talk away from the back three or the back five, if you include the wing backs in there, there was nothing wrong against Brentford with. The, uh, the positions in the centre of the field and up front. Newcastle played very, very well in the second half of the pitch. Um, and therefore, who would you drop out of that? There is a situation, I thought Willock doesn't look the Willock that we knew last season at all. Um, I think Fraser's going to have a big part to play uh, under Howe, who loves him. Um but two players that I have criticised repeatedly, and I think deservedly, I equally want to hold my hand up and say against Brentford they were excellent, and that's Joe Linton and John Joe Shelby. I have been a harsh critic of both, and I stick by that criticism, and it'll take more than one good game to win not only me over, but the fans over full time. But in that game... Joe Linton actually looked as if he enjoyed playing. Uh, he looked as if he wasn't terrified of the penalty area. Um, he looked strong. He was direct in his movement. Shelby was actually sprinting to close people down, where, where he normally just sits 20 yards off the opponents. Uh, he won a couple of headers. Um, the both Now, that beggars the question... Was Bruce, who liked both Joe Linton and Shelby and often started them when they were undeserved, but was he not getting the best out of them or has has uh, Eddie Howe in training seen something? I mean, he bigged up both of them before the game, if you remember, uh, and it worked. They, they were superb. Mind, you've got to say that you did see the old Joe Linton right at the death when he was rolled in by San Maximum to win the game a game we desperately needed to win, and San Maximum had ran half the length of the pitch from his own half to the edge of the, their box and just rolled them in for him just to put his laces to it and it's in the back of the net and we've won. And he suddenly reverted to nature and become a jelly and collapsed on the ground and the chance was gone. But I'm not going to criticise him for that because over the 90 minutes he did well. Um so when you when you get that sort of reaction, it would be very harsh to drop anybody um, from midfield forward because they did well. The back, you could change a whole lot. Willock was the only of the offensive players. Willock was the only one that really disappointed me a bit. Mm, so you might actually see maybe Hayden come in for Willock. To because it's of, an away yeah, game. Exactly, and just to show up the the defensive side of things a little bit. And then it's always good to have players like Fraser to come off the bench like he did against Brentford and, and really make a difference. And sure. I'm sure you know those players... He who, looked good when he come on yeah. as well. I've got to say that about him. I mean, the ball he put in for the equaliser at 3-3 was maximum from the right to the left was exquisite. Uh, was wonderful. And he did it a couple of other times as well. Um, but he wanted to play for, for how as obviously Joe Linton did and Shelby did. Um, unfortunately, you couldn't get a tune out of the back. That was the trouble. Hmm. Um, Arsenal, I mean, they've got some excellent players, John. Smith-Rowe, Yang, uh, just to name a few. Have I asked you to pick out 
one to worry about. I, I suspect you'll come back and name four, four or five. Well, yes. I mean, you know, whether you look at Saka, whether you look at Smithville, whether you look at Aubameyang who can score goals, they've got far too many. Uh, and you can get scared if you start uh, looking at theirs, their offensive players and what the, how they can take advantage of ours. I mean, yes, they got the, they got cost at Liverpool, but so do an awful lot of sides there. And before that, uh, they eight wins and two draws in that ten games before Liverpool. So that shows the sort of renaissance there's been of this Arsenal side. And they will be smarting after what happened at Anfield. Uh, and they will see this as a great opportunity in front of their own punters to put Liverpool behind them. And if you look at our our history, I mean, what worries me is our history of going to Arsenal. Uh, since we won there in 2010, 1-0, we've played, we've gone 10 times to the Emirates, nine times in the Premier League, 10 times in all with a cup, and lost 10 times. And Eddie went there... Uh, five times with Bournemouth and lost five times. So we've got great consistency down there. We lose. Arsenal yeah. win. The stats are horrendous, aren't they? I mean, Arsenal oh. have won 16 of their past 17 Premier League games against Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle failed to score in their previous five league games at Arsenal and they've lost the previous nine, as you mentioned there. Um, obviously, you said Eddie Howe hasn't won at the Emirates, losing all five. And also, Arsenal hold the Premier League record for scoring the goal first in a fixture, and that is against Newcastle. In the last, they've um, opened the scoring 16 times against Newcastle. Oh, I mean, our record down there is absolutely abysmal. And um, that's why I was so disappointed against Brentford, because I thought Eddie had got lucky. Three of his first four games were all at home, all against sides who were beatable. Brentford, because they'd gone like snow off a dyke, uh, Norwich and Burnley. Uh, the one uh, little uh, fly in the ointment was Arsenal away. Um, but Brentford more than deserved what they got at Newcastle. Because it wouldn't just have been about the three points, would it? It would have been about building that momentum, which I know is a favourite word of yours, but it was really important for Absolutely. anyhow to get that momentum going. And, and what is crucial, Andrew, is this business has become an albatross around the neck of not winning. Newcastle are the only team in the Premier League and Football League, the top four divisions, that hasn't won a match this season. Now, if, if that comes from 12 to 13 in this match... What sort of pressures are going to be next week when we'll play twice at home against uh, Norwich and Burnley? Because if we are going to stay up this season, Norwich at home and Burnley at home is two of the matches that you've got to win. The pressure to win those two games will be ginormous. And bear in mind that Norwich were dead and buried until they won the last two games. They've won the last two games, so the, the, the pressure comes that much more onto us. And we are in danger of losing touch because we can't worry about the other two teams that are down in the relegation dungeon with us. We've got to look at fourth bottom because we've got to get out, and that's getting stretched. I mean, yeah, it was weird to be shouting, cheering on Spurs, wasn't it, on Sundays? Oh, was I doing that in the second half? Because at half-time, we were cut adrift. At half-time, if Leeds had won 1-0, we were cut adrift. And not to upset any more people listening to this podcast, but in a 38-game 
Premier League season, three of the four sides who have failed to win any of their first 12 games of a season have gone on to be relegated. Norwich, 2004-2005, QPR in 2012-13 and Sheffield United last season. The only side who managed to survive from such a position was Derby in 2000-2001. So, history is against Newcastle. Everything's against Newcastle <laughs> at the moment and, and so is most of the country because they, they don't like the situation we are in. Our only hope is January, mm. the transfer window. Because if there wasn't a transfer window in the mid-season, if we had to go through the whole season with this squad, we are down. Yeah, There's absolutely no question about that. Because of the defence, we've got things going forward for us. But if you've got to score three goals to get a draw, that's some pressure on the forwards, never mind the defence, isn't it? But as you say, I mean, they were positives, the forward line. They were. St. Maxman, Callum Wilson looking very good. And Arsenal do tend to have a little bit of a mistake in them at the back. Set-piece-wise, they're not, they're not too good. So you would be hoping that Newcastle can take advantage of that like they did against Brentford with Lascelles scoring from the, from the corner. And you are confident, I think, if Callum Wilson gets a sniff at goal, it's more than likely going to end up in the back of the net. So they've just got to make sure they give them the service, don't they? Yeah, I mean, what they've got to do and they won't do is make certain they keep the back locked. I mean, it, it, that's the first thing because then if he gets one sniff and scores, you might win 1-0. But if you happen to be three down when he gets that sniff, you've lost 3-1. And that the, the, and I've for the life of me, and it's been facing us all, all season, Andrew, but I was sitting next to the supermarket watching the game against Brentford and I just thought, with that defence, what chances Eddie Howe got and what chances Newcastle United got and what chance have we got? Because that defence is so porous, it is so poor, it's so easily pulled about. Seasoned pros are getting pulled all over the show. Shaw has helped Switzerland to qualify automatically to go to the World Cup finals and have relegated a side of the quality of Italy to going into playoffs, comes back home full of confidence, back in the side, and he's making mistakes. And he he's making naive mistakes. Forwards are getting on the wrong side of him. He can't handle the muscle if, if Tony. Um, and you just think, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, what what is going on here? And that is the concern I've got. I'm, I'm almost like transfixed by watching the back now and not believing what I'm seeing and holding my hands up. I really feel for Eddie Howe because who would you start at the back? Whoever you would start. I mean, you would probably... The clamour for Fernandez is because he hasn't been in. So you, you hope he'll come in and do some. It was the same clamour that got Shaw in on, on Saturday against Brentford and he didn't cover himself in any glory at all. I think you said a few weeks ago on uh, Jamal Lewis that players become better players in the minds of supporters and journalists when they're not in the squad. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happened with Fernandes. I, I do think is technically probably the best defender they've got at the club, but it's just whether, you know, has he not got in because you know it's not been working from on the training ground or he's just not fancied it'd be really interesting to know he wasn't even on the bench was no. he he wasn't even on the Didn't bench didn't feature so. for Graham Jones either so really interesting to know but um, I mean the other interesting thing is is whether Eddie Howe will be back in the dugout for yes. the game because obviously he's struck down by COVID-19 or at least tested positive for 
uh, the, the, the virus uh, just mm. before <laughs> Brentford, which was typical Newcastle United, oh, wasn't it, John? Absolutely. After you couldn't write the script, or you could, because all this sort of thing happens with Newcastle. And that makes a huge difference. And the fact that he's been missing on the training pitch so far this week, I mean, it is not the best situation at all. It really, really isn't. Um, and, but we... We can't afford to give up on this match, Andrew. It's 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 one of those where you would say we're ninety nine percent certain to lose, but you can't go with that attitude and you can't just sacrifice it because we're running out of matches as yeah. early as this is in the season. We're running out of opportunities and we've got to start taking them somehow. And you totally get the the feeling that Eddie Howe's not going to write this one off. He wants to win, and you saw that in his press conference, and we spoke sure. about it in the last episode that. He really wants to see Newcastle impose themselves on the opposition to go in with no fear. You know, it's just unfortunate that he's not been able to spend time with them at the training ground, but I'm sure he's been in contact via Zoom and, and on the good old mobile. The other disappointing thing is, John, is the fact that the quick turnaround to Tuesday, even if his isolation oh. does end, say, Saturday or Sunday, he's, well, they'll probably have a day off at some point as well. So at the very most, what, you'll have 24, 48 hours to work with them? Oh, I, I mean, the, the way... You can feel you're doomed if you've got to be very careful that you don't get into a situation where you do feel you're doomed because we have to win those two matches. Now, even if we won at Arsenal, we still have to beat sides of the calibre of Norwich and Burnley at home because if we don't beat them, it asks the question, who are we going to beat to make certain we stay up? Um, so you've got to win those and... We've got to stay in touch with other sides to give us a chance in January. Of going, it's difficult enough to move people in January. It's much easier in the summer. Um, it's difficult to persuade certain players to come to a club like Newcastle in January if they have a relegation fight and they look as if they're going to go down. Do you want to join the side that's going to play in the championship? Perhaps you don't, if you have other options. Um it is going to be a difficult, difficult time, but we've got to, and we are paying a huge cost for the mistakes of Ashley and Steve Bruce. Um, there's absolutely no question about that, and I was shouting about that early in the season when we didn't take advantage of a very gentle fixture list early in the season, and we've got a tough fixture list coming in December. So we need these points that's on offer now. Um, it's just like, it's my worst nightmare looking at the defence. It is my worst nightmare. We've got to hope that, we, I mean, a couple of away games, we've gone to Palace and we've gone to Brighton and we've got 1-1 draws. We'll probably play it off the park on both occasions. They missed the pilot chances. We hung in there 1-0, 1-0, 1-0 and, and came out with a point. Uh, you've got to hope for something like that, though you suspect that if Arsenal hit their stride, they're better than both those sides. As good as Brighton and, and Palace have shown this season, you've got to think that Arsenal, man for man, have got a bit more about them. Um, it's going to be mightily tough, but you never know. You've got to hang in there. I mean, they could get reduced to 10 men with the sending well, off. We, we saw my United get thumped by Watford, didn't we? So... Yes. Anything can happen. And that's where we're going to lead to, John, is what will the result be? And you're going to actually be down there at the Emirates as well. So I guess you're hoping for a win, but oh. 
Your, I am. Your head might tell tell you something different. Well, I'm down there visiting my daughter, and I'm going with a with her partner and son to the game, and he's a huge um, Arsenal fan. So I'm sitting amongst all the gooners at the match, and uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if I'm leaping up and down and everybody's thinking, who's that old pillock sitting there? He's obviously a Geordie. Uh, but I've got to have the opportunity to do that and not sink lower and lower in my seat. Uh, I'm going down with trepidation, to be truthful. Had we beaten Brentford 3-0, uh, I would go down with a little, and knowing what was to come when I come back, the two home games, I might have gone down with a little bit of a... A cockiness in my stride, but uh, I think it's going to be mightily tough. And um, if I'm being realistic, I think we'll lose. Um, but I always felt this was the match we would lose, and we would beat Brentford and win the two home games to follow. I, I guess the important thing is is that even if Newcastle lose, they show more in their performance than what we've seen in previous games under Steve Bruce, where. They rocked up against these big sides. They were awful. It was like a training session for the, for the big sides. The Chelsea game last season always sticks in my mind. So at least if they lose, you just want to see a bit more about them, don't you? Yeah, oh, without a shadow of a doubt. You want to see a bit of pride in them. You want to see them cross the halfway line regularly. You want to see heads not drop if they go behind. Uh, and above all, you don't want to be swallowed about 5-0 or something of that nature because... The goal is the goals against column is too large. I was going to say, yeah, the goal difference is already looking pretty poor as it is. Oh. I'm going to offer a bit of optimism, a bit of positivity. Yeah, I'm going to go for a draw. Are you really? I'm going to go for a draw. They're going to come back with a point, and then they're going to go out and beat Norwich. Going to thump them. Eddie Howe's first game at St James's Park, Touchwood, and then they're going to go and beat Burnley, and we're going to be happy, and we're going to have points on the board. Well, you're a typical Jody. God bless you for that. And uh, I would love to think you're right. Uh, but I think we're going to lose at Arsenal. But I think we've then got to beat Norwich, and we will. But I said without a, a question, a shadow of doubt, we'd beat Brentford. We were very pleased to get a 3-3 in the end because it's 3-2 with about a quarter of an hour to go or whatever it was. It looked as if it might literally not be our day until a wonderful equaliser, the best goal of the match, I felt. Um, no, I can't even bring my heart to say that we're going to win or even get a draw at Arsenal. Keeping that defence, keeping them out for an hour and a half, I can't see. Um, I'm much... I want us to keep our dignity, not to get our balloon pricked down at Arsenal by playing ineptly, playing poorly, being terrified to death and losing four. No, thank you. Let us have keep our head up. And that was one of the things that I liked against Brentford, was when we were 2-1 down, when we were 3-2 down, we kept going. We kept going, we kept going, and we got a point in the end because of that attitude. We didn't feel sorry for ourselves and going to our shells, which was good. Well, fingers crossed we're both wrong and Newcastle come back with all three points and you enjoy your trip down to the capital, John. That would be wonderful. We won't have a Norwich preview just because of the quick turnaround, but we'll be back uh, next Thursday with the Burnley preview and obviously uh, someone will join me to review the Arsenal game over the weekend. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Head over to chroniclive.co.uk where we'll bring you the press conference, whether it be Eddie Howe from his hotel room, whether he'll be back in person. We'll find out uh, Thursday, Friday, 
and head over to Chronicle Live to keep a date with all the latest Newcastle United news.